0: So we've been in this series for the last several weeks about the Holy Spirit. By the way, it is good to see you, Wendy. God bless you. Yeah. Amen. We have missed you. It's so good that. A horse decided she didn't a horse decided that he that, that they didn't want you to ride that horse anymore. So off they kicked you and, and you've been dealing with it. But God bless you. We've missed you. So, so much good to have you back. Amen. Amen. So the Holy Spirit. Is the Spirit of Christ, and uh, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a a thing. He's a person, and so we've been looking at the person of the Holy Spirit over the last several weeks. And Jesus told us in John fourteen sixteen to his disciples, to us, that he was going to go away, but he was going to, in place of him, send us a helper. John fourteen sixteen says that this way he says, "I'm going to pray to the Father, and He's going to give you another helper that He may abide with you forever." First off, he's our helper. Heaven needs all the help you can get, amen? Isn't it good to know too that he's going to be with us forever? How do you like that word forever? That means he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's always there with us. And, and he does just that, doesn't he? he? He helps us. And we've seen that in so many different ways. You can look back at the different... Uh, uh, it's on our website, also on our Facebook page if you have... Uh, Facebook, you can go back and see the different messages of how he's, he guides us, he convicts us of sin, he helps us to grow in Christ, he gives us discernment, and last week we looked at how he gives us authority over our temptations, over Satan, and also to be bold and effective in our witness for uh, for him. I, I, and I hope that you've, I, I, as I encouraged you last week, I hope that you've yielded to the Holy Spirit uh, this week and have given him place to allow you to him to speak through you and take those opportunities that are in front of you. I can tell you a real quick story. Uh, 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 we were at home on Tuesday. And uh, Tuesday afternoon, I was at home and I was doing some studying. and just I felt like I just needed to go home for some reason uh, instead of being here at the office. So I went on home and I was doing some studying from there. Well, wouldn't you know it? Some guy came up to our front door and uh, he was doing some um, some. Canvassing for the Republican Party and kind of asking a couple of questions about that, and kind of you know like, like giving a poll, I guess. Anyway, we started talking about different things, as um, he he and I began to to talk. His name was Stone. He was in his. He looked like he was probably in his late 20s. And um, man, we just had a great conversation. And I began to witness to him. I was just going to share Christ with him. And, and and man, he says, you know, I've been searching. I, I've been reading the Bible. I've been I've been looking, you know, for for the answer. And and we got to talk about it. I wasn't able to lead him to the Lord, but I was able to tell him how to accept the Lord. He wasn't ready at that moment. I said, listen, all you got to do is say this prayer. And so I, I, I believe that, that uh, Stone is on a journey. And uh, I just want you all to pray for a gentleman by the name of Stone who lives in this community. And uh, he's on a journey. I invited him to church this morning. Stone, are you here? I don't see you, buddy. But if you're watching online, I mean, know that we love you. We'd love to have you here. And anybody that's searching for the Lord, you've come to the right place because Jesus is in this house. Amen. Amen. So, anyway, if you have some stories, man, share them with me later. I'd love to hear them. But keep yourself open to allowing the Lord to give you boldness uh, to witness. The opportunities are there, but there's a boldness that's there uh, that sometimes I think we need. And it's just really to see uh, the opportunities that are out there. So, um, now, since the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, and I know that we've been looking a lot about the Holy Spirit over the last several weeks, and we're still going to today, but um, as I was praying about this this week, I felt like the Lord would have me to give some examples on actually Jesus when he was walking on the earth and the opportunities that he had and the interactions that he had with people and how, really, this is how the Holy Spirit does with us as well. So since the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, I thought it would really be good to see actually how Jesus interacted with people when he was on the earth. So there's three different stories that I'd like for us to look at today. Um, and so if you will, uh, I want you to take your Bibles, and we're going to start off in, um, well, let's start off in, in really in John chapter 11, and, and I'm just going to give you a synopsis of this story that's so familiar. In fact, I, I would imagine for if you've been in church for any length of time that these, all three of these stories are familiar, but I want us to look today on how the Holy Spirit or how Jesus and His Spirit comforts us in our times where we need comfort. How many has ever needed comfort in your life, right? And we all need comfort. If we don't need comfort, then man, I want to talk to you and say, how do you do it? Because we all need to be comforted. A hug, a kind word, a, a, an extended uh, an extended effort on someone else's part to say, let me carry you. Let me encourage you. Let me speak into your life. Let me help you through this time. The Holy Spirit is our helper in the times where we need comfort. And Jesus comforted, comforted uh, multiple times, but there's three different stories here that I want us to look at this morning of how he comforted. The first one is this, and it was when some of his dearest friends experienced a devastating loss. So my first, uh, you can put this up on the screen, the first part, the first story I want to talk about is how the Holy Spirit or how Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, in our loss gives us hope. He gives us hope. And the world needs hope today more than anything of the time, I believe, in the history of the world, in, our, in my opinion. But John chapter 11, I'm not gonna read the entire 44 verses, but it's a, it, it takes up the lion's share of that chapter. This is a very important story, apparently, because the Holy Spirit allowed it to be a full 44 verses, almost a full chapter of the book of John. Now, we know the story of the man named Lazarus. He was sick, and word was sent to Jesus in this story in John chapter 11. But Jesus, for whatever reason, delayed two days in going to help Lazarus. And in the meantime, Lazarus died, and then Jesus went with his disciples and decided finally after a while, Jesus said, let's go to, let's go to Bethany. And when he went to Bethany, that's where Lazarus was and his family. Lazarus' body had lay, lay there, and he, Lazarus had died. And, and, and so Jesus met up with Mary and Martha, which was Lazarus' two sisters. And everybody was mourning, and everybody was... Uh, they had no hope because of the loss of that beloved brother, their beloved friend, Lazarus. They were sad. They were grieving. All hope was lost. But I love how this story pivots because Jesus, in our loss, in our grieving, in our sorrow, always has other plans. Jesus always has other plans. I know we've experienced loss. I know, and I've prayed with so many of you in this church over the last Years that we've been here, as you've experienced the loss of your spouse, the loss of a child, the loss of, uh, you know, where where their sickbed ended up being their deathbed, where we prayed for healing, we prayed for life, and we prayed that God would bring them out, but Jesus had other plans, and Jesus took them to heaven, and so I want to talk about that for a bit because I know that a lot of times we struggle when we pray and ask God to do a certain thing, and then he ends up doing something else, right? And then we think, well, does God, does God love me? D- does he care about me? Is he even aware of what's going on? And I, I just want to encourage you today to say, sure, he does. God absolutely loves you. God absolutely cares for you. And God is absolutely aware of what is going on in your life because you see, part of the job of the Holy Spirit is that in that time of loss that he comforts us. We've all experienced loss. We also know that everyone dies sooner or later, don't we? Everyone will die sooner or later. Not one person who's ever lived on this earth has gotten out of this world alive. They've all died. Wait a minute, I take that back. There's actually two people in the Old Testament, two men that did not die, at least not yet, um, but they were taken up to heaven. Can I get, just give you a little mini side sermon here just for a second, just to get, help you understand what's going on with this? Okay. There's two guys, one by the name of Enoch. It simply says in Genesis 5:24 that Enoch, he lived 365 years. I found that interesting that he lived as many days as there are in a year. Uh, and it says in verse 24 of chapter five of Genesis, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So he was just walking along, minding his own business, and God said, you know what? Come on up and he was raptured. He was raptured up to heaven in Genesis 5, 24. So there's Enoch. He hadn't died yet. His body's been glorified. He's been hanging up in heaven for the last several thousand years, doing whatever you do up in heaven, waiting to die, I guess. It's interesting. And then there's Elijah in Second Kings 2, 11. And he was hanging out with Elisha, and he, and he knew he was getting ready. something was getting ready to happen. He was saying, hey, when you see me go, if, you know, if something happens, you're going to get my anointing a double portion. And this is kind of the conversation you read about that in chapter 2 of 2 Kings. But in verse 11, it says, as they were walking, as Elijah and Elisha were walking along and talking together, just, so how you doing today? I'm doing good. Good. How's your day? It's going pretty good. And then all of a sudden, suddenly, a chariot of fire shows up. <laughs> and then, uh, this uh, horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. He was also raptured. Can you imagine Elisha just looked up going, well, that was weird. And that's pretty cool. Okay. So you can continue to read the story about Elisha, but then there's Elijah. He didn't die, and neither did Enoch. So these two men were caught up in like what we will be in the rapture one day, should we all tarry. And they've been in heaven for these thousands of years, but I believe that they have an assignment to come back to this earth in the seven year tribulation. Again, this is the little mini sermon here that I'm gonna give you this morning. They're gonna come back to earth, they're gonna engage in ministry that's gonna result finally in their death and then the resurrection and then rapture to heaven once more. So listen to this, it's wild, but listen to this in Revelation chapter 11. This is part of all that's gonna be going on in the seven year tribulation. And this is God speaking in verse three, he says, and I will appoint my two witnesses, I believe it's Enoch and Elijah, And they'll prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. They're just going to show up. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they will stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. They have the power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time that they're prophesying, and they'll have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Now, when they finish their testimony, the beast that comes from the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them. So they're going to be these 1260 days just prophesying, and the whole world's going to hear them. And you think, how in the world can they prophesy to the whole world? Well, you ever heard of satellites? You ever heard of television? They're going to be there in Jerusalem ministering, and there's nothing that the Antichrist or the beast can do to shut them up. And anybody that tries to, they're going to (laughs) breathe out fire and take care of them and turn them, uh, turn them into um, uh, sawdust, I guess, or whatever it is that you, ashes. But then the beast is going to come up and attack them and overpower them and kill them. So there's going to be this protection that's going to be removed from them. And then their bodies are going to lie in the public square of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. And for three and a half days, some from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. Again, satellite. They're probably showing them, showing them on, online saying, look, we finally killed these guys because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. But after three and a half days, the breath of life uh, from God will enter them and they'll stand on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. And then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. That kind of sounds like that they lived, they died, they resurrected, and they went to heaven again. So these two guys, um, Elijah and Enoch, will one day die. Because in Hebrews 9.27, it says, it's appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So here's the thing, getting back to my message here today, that little bonus sermon there, but um, everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to die. Even Jesus died. Think about it. The Son of God died. But then he rose again. Thank God. Because Jesus conquered death and Jesus conquered hell and Jesus conquered the grave. And he became the first fruits, the Bible says, of everyone else who will live forever in heaven one day. The only other exception, by the way, to this happening as far as everyone dying is that anyone who is is going to be alive at the rapture of the church will not die. At least not in the way that we know death. But we will be transformed, our bodies. will read this in First Thessalonians with me, chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up, that's the rapture, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever." One day, I believe, and I believe that what I just read is going to happen very, very, very soon. Um, In fact, I personally hope that I don't have to do one more funeral. Uh, I believe it could be that soon where we won't have to. That Jesus is going to come back. It could be today. Wouldn't that be great if he came back today? Yeah. But until that glorious day, church, loss occurs, okay? Now, death still happens. Now, we can talk about a death of a loved one, and that's certainly happened, but also there could be a loss of a dream. There could be a loss of a relationship. There could be a loss of our health. There could be a loss due to some financial setback. The fact is that loss comes in life. It's part of life. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three. the first part of John sixteen thirty three he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, because in this world you're going to have trouble. Jesus even said it, there's going to be trouble that we're going to face. But what do we do when trouble happens? What do we do when loss occurs? You're sitting here today and maybe even experiencing you're in the middle of, of a loss. Maybe you're still reeling from a loss that you experienced six months ago, a year ago, or several years ago, and it's just there with you. What do we do when loss occurs? Where do we turn You know, I saw this in an interview a week or so ago where that shooting that took place up in Maine, he had lost his grown son in that tragic shooting. Uh, He was proud of his son because his son was going after the shooter and the shooter shot him, you know. But I just remember this man, you just tell he was just heartbroken. He was just lost. And my heart went so out to this man. And then he said something that not only made my heart go out to him, but it made my heart break for him. Because he said something like this. He says, I just have nowhere to turn. He says, I feel so alone. He says, I have nowhere to go, and I have no one to talk to about this. And I was just screaming at the television. I was trying to, in in hopes, I guess, that he could hear me. I I was just saying, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're watching this online or you're here today, if you feel like you have nowhere to go, That's a lie from Satan. He wants to isolate you. He wants to make you feel alone. Here's the fact of it. The Holy Spirit is with you right now. And in your loss, He's with you. In your suffering, He's with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. We just read that. So in your loss, He just doesn't disappear. I just wonder who... Who around us in this community feels this way? That's what I was wondering when I was hearing this man talk. I'm thinking, you know, I know there's people in our community that feel that way. There's people that we know that we work with. I mean, Don, you mentioned about how you're working, you know, part-time now and kind of get in that environment. The things that people say and the things that people do, it's really, in a lot of ways, if it's contrary to what, we're, what we stand for, what we believe in, it feels like it's a lot of ways kind of a cry for help, you know? They're just acting out, just like little kids act out in a lot of ways. But you see people that are struggling so much and they're acting out in certain ways or they're depressed or they're just isolated. Don't call me, leave me alone. Just don't bother me. Really what they're saying is, I need help. Please bother me. Please get in my face. Please interrupt me. I need you to embrace me right now. I need you to speak into my life. I just wonder how many people in our community like that. People that we work with and that are in our families that we live by that are maybe even friends online, maybe even who might be here in this very room today that feels that way. I think it's ironic that we can be in a room filled with a bunch of people and still feel extremely alone. But can I just encourage you today, and church, I'm gonna speak on your behalf, that we're here for one another. We're here in Christ for one another. Don't ever feel alone. If you're feeling alone right now, don't uh, it, can i just say it lovingly but it's your own fault okay i say that in love but it is your own fault uh step out reach out and say i need encouragement i need prayer i need some help i need a friend and we're here as the body of christ to be that way if you're if you stub, stubbed your big toe you wouldn't ignore your big toe because your big toe would be crying out for attention for the rest of your body, and the rest of your body would compensate and give all the attention to your big toe, would it not? If there's a stub big toe in here, if there's an aching part of the body in here, if there's a struggling situation, we're all part of the body of Christ, and the Holy Spirit can help us to, to comfort someone in need, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. In your time of loss, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is there to give us hope. You know, a, a lot of times people turn to alcohol, people turn to drugs and people turn to uh, other sorts of things to get their minds off of their pain, to help numb their pain. And I'll give it this, that that is a temporary solution. It probably helps for a period of an hour or two or maybe a few more hours than that. But once that chemical wears off that is numbing you, the pain is still there, is it not? The loss is still there. The loneliness is still there. You see, those are just temporary fixes They won't deal with the heart of the hurt because uh, the heart of the hurt can't be medicated or uh, chemically removed in any sort of way. It's the heart of the hurt. And by the way, that alcohol and drugs will just make things worse. It's going to cause long-term damage. It's going to cause permanent damage. Let me encourage you today. If you're struggling in some way in your loss... Instead of turning to the drugs, instead of turning to the alcohol or anything else that you're turning to, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus because it's only Christ that will give you hope. It's only in Christ that we can have that hope. John 16, the last part of it, Jesus says that yeah, even though you're going to have trouble, he says, take heart because I've overcome the world. So he's what he's saying is, is this, I've overcome your situation. Whatever loss that you're struggling with, I've already overcome it. I saw the situation back 2,000 years ago when I was hanging on the cross. And before I said it's finished, I saw your situation and I took care of it. I made, uh, I, I made, I made provision for it. And so he's here. And, and we're that body of Christ. We're an extension of him in that way. So let the Holy Spirit use you church to comfort someone this week okay man you may say well i need comforting okay then comfort as you're being comforted because you will be comforted as you comfort others through the holy spirit i'm so thankful that jesus knows when we experience loss he's not surprised by it he's not trying to figure out what to do with it he knows the feelings that loss brings Think about it going back to this story in Lazarus. It says that probably the main part of this is that the story is that Jesus was deeply moved. And then we know that the short description of the Bible, John 11:35, 35, where Jesus wept. That says a lot right there, those two words, Jesus wept. That's the entire verse. Jesus wept. He was deeply moved when he saw the sorrow and the, the tears and the, the utter hopelessness in their lives. My brother is dead. My friend has died. And there's nothing we can do about it. Of course, we know the rest of the story there, do did, 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 did we not? That Jesus spoke to Lazarus, who had been in that tomb for several days. And he said, remove the stone. And someone said, but Jesus, he already smells. Why would we do that? The body's already, you know, in the, in the, in the stages of decay. I mean, there's, there's no hope. Jesus said, remove the stone. And so they did. And and, and he called out, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And we know the story. Lazarus came out in his grave clothes, wrapped up. He said, remove the grave clothes from him and put him in something that's more appropriate because this man is no longer in grave clothes because he's no longer dead. Put something in him that live people wear. (laughs) He was alive. He came back to life. Jesus brought him back to life. So here's what I want to encourage you today. In those things that... Are your grave sites, whether it be a loss of a loved one, the loss of a dream, the loss of a relationship, for every tombstone in your life, I want to encourage you to look beyond it and see the hope that's in it. Because as we look past the tombstones of our life, the situations that have been lost, there is hope beyond the grave of your loss today. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the one that has overcome the losses that the world brings. We will experience loss. We have experienced loss. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Take hope, in other words. Be filled with hope. Know this, that whatever loss you've experienced, I've overcome it. And when we do that, it helps us to exchange our weeping for rejoicing. It helps to exchange our mourning for dancing. It helps to exchange our sorrow for joy. It helps us to be able to do the wave like we did this morning. In the midst of what we go through, Psalm chapter 30, verses 5, and also verse 11, it says, weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, I've wept. I've experienced loss, but I'm also thankful for God's joy and I've experienced his joy as well how about you then it says uh you turn my mourning into dancing in other words we mourn it's all right to mourn but he takes that and beyond that loss he turns it into some sort of dancing and then he says you've removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy You know, too many of us, and I was talking with, uh, we were talking, uh, Phil, you and I were talking a little bit before service about that, how, man, we need to laugh more, and we just love to laugh. I mean, Phil, if you don't know Phil Haynes, he's got the best sense of humor. That guy is hilarious. Hang around him, and you will be joyful. But you know, we do experience weeping, don't we, and mourning, and sometimes we wear those sackcloth and, and all of that. But God wants to give us a rejoicing. God wants to take and give us a dance. God wants to take and give us a joy that goes beyond the things that we experience. So how can we do that? How in the world can we do that? Well, if we can look beyond the loss and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, it sounds like a cliche, but I promise you, he's gonna see you through. He will see you through your loss. Seasons of our life are sorrowful, but also there's seasons of joy. And that's what life is all about. The Bible says to think on the good things in him. The Bible encourages, encourages us to live in his promises. And you keep your promises forever and amen. We just sang about that. Live in his strength. Live in his hope. Because you see, this world is not our home. Loss occurs in this moment, but our blessed hope in him is eternal. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our blessed hope. What's our blessed hope? The appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What's our blessed hope? When Jesus comes back on a cloud and says, come on up, bride, I'm taking you home. What's our blessed hope? Is that this world is not our home, but one day he's going to take us to heaven if for all of eternity, we're going to spend with him in heaven. That's our blessed hope. This world is not our home. The struggles and the sorrows and the loss and the, and the, and the situations that we go through are, are part of what life is. But one day, all those things will be passed. And our blessed hope is that when we're in, in heaven, one day, we're not going to have to experience loss anymore. It says that he gave himself for us to redeem us from all the wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good, not just here on this earth, but for all of eternity. So church, today, in your loss, the Holy Spirit brings us hope. And the hope that we have in Jesus will absolutely never, ever, ever disappoint you. You can put your hope in Jesus and he'll never disappoint you, church. How do I know that? Because Romans 5, 5 says so. Now hope does not disappoint, it says. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to pour into our heart comfort in our loss today with the blessed hope that we have in Jesus because the hope that we have in Christ will never disappoints you so that's the first story allow the Holy Spirit to comfort you in your time of loss the second story I'd like for us to look at today is found in Matthew chapter 8 as Jesus deals with his disciples in a moment of fear and this part of the message I want to say that in your fear how many has ever experienced fear in your life I'll put both my hands up yeah fearful There's a lot of things to fear isn't there not today in our lives, but in our fear, this is what I want to talk about here for the next few minutes. In our fears, He gives us peace. That doesn't mean that we won't have fears, that just means that in our fears, He gives us peace. Listen to this story, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. As well, I'll begin. It says, Then He got into the boat, Jesus did, and His disciples followed Him. Keep that in mind that He got into the boat first, He got in, and the disciples followed Him. They went in the boat already and said, Hey, Jesus, come on in the boat. Jesus got on the boat and the disciples followed him. That's going to be important later. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Pretty big waves if it's coming into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. (laughs) Really? Okay. The disciples went and woke him, and I love how it says (laughs) saying. I, I think it's more like shouting, screaming. Ah, like this. Lord save us. We're going to drown. And he got up, wiped the sleep from his eyes, like, man, I can't believe you guys are bothering me. Okay. He replied, oh, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And then the disciple probably went, well, duh. I mean, there's waves coming in. Why do you think we're afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm, instantly, just like that. Just, it went from torrential hurricane to glassy sea, completely calm. And the men were amazed. I'm just, I'm amazed. Yeah, of course they were amazed. They were amazed. And they asked, well, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Yeah. A lot of understatements and overstatements in that that passage there. But imagine you being on the boat. And maybe you are on that boat right now. And there's a storm happening in your life. And in fact, most surveys taken today and lately have shown over the last few years that the top thing that people deal with in life is fear. It's almost at the top of every survey in people's lives. We deal with fear. Actually, we live in fear. Now, by the way, some fear is good. I'll I'll give it that. Healthy fear keeps us from doing stupid things, harmful things, Uh, to our bodies, our relationships, our careers, our finances, our future. There's a lot of, you know, like I'm not going to skydive. I'm just not. I mean, God bless anybody that has, but I've got a healthy fear of that. Yeah, firmly planted on the ground. That's me, my feet. It's It's a healthy fear. And we have other sorts of healthy fears that keep us from doing these stupid things. But there's other kind of fears that are damaging. And many of us live in that kind of fear. In fact, I would say that probably... Most of us, are not, if not all of us, live in that sort of fear at one time or another. But I think a lot of us live in it too much and really allow it to define us and to steer us. I don't know, maybe does this resonate with you? Maybe we fear the past will catch up with us. Maybe we fear that the present will be too much to bear. Maybe we fear that the unknown future and what it holds will be too much. We fear the world that we're in We fear the wars that are taking place and the ones that will take place. We fear the cost of living and how much worse it's going to get. We fear the results of the politics of the day and where is this nation and world headed to. We fear about the open borders and what all that will bring. We fear about the eroding loss of freedoms in our nation and the world. We fear that we're gonna get shot just like those other people that we've read about and heard about on the news. We fear what that pain in our body may mean. We fear what the doctor's report will tell us. We fear what it might cost us. We fear the outcome of it all. We fear that we're going to lose our jobs. We're going to be we're afraid that, that our kids are not going to be safe today. We fear that our car is going to break down. We fear that uh, that we won't be able to pass that test. We're afraid that that person still won't love us. There's a lot of different fears. We fear the storms that we've faced, we fear the storms that we're facing, and we fear the storms that one day we will be facing just because we know that's what life is all about. Fears turn into worry, which causes us to act out in ways that are opposite of what's best for us because, you see, fear is debilitating. Fear stifles us, and fear causes us to think unclearly, it causes us to think irrationally, it causes us to think illogically, and fear robs us of our faith. Because fear is the opposite of faith. Yeah, we have a lot to fear these days. But just as we read in this story, Jesus is here to offer us peace today. In the midst of our storm. You know, the disciples, they were just minding their own business. They took this boat out from one side of the lake to the other. I'm sure they were just thinking, hey, Jesus is hopping on the boat. We're going to get on the boat with him. We're going to go to the other side and see what other adventure that he has for us today. Little did they know that a storm was on the way. Now, these were seasoned boatsmen, by the way. They weren't just, you know, green around the ears. Well, I guess we'll get on this boat, even though this, no, the skies were fine. If there was anything going on, if the waves were doing anything weird, if there was a storm coming up, they would have said, uh, Jesus, probably we need to wait. But the skies were fine. The, the weather was not bad. They would not have set that boat out if there was a storm brewing. But what started out as a fair weather day turned fierce, and this story says, suddenly. They use the word suddenly. Now, isn't that how life is? All of a sudden, how many of us have woken up to a routine day, a pleasant day, only to have it turned upside down because suddenly something happens? I'm sure the people in Israel back a couple of weeks ago on October the 7th had no idea what was going to take place that morning where the trajectory of their lives were changed forever, and really the world. Think about the folks on 9-11. You know where you were on 9-11 when you woke up that morning. And by the end of that day, it changed the trajectory of our lives and also those that were impacted by 9-11 that were killed, families that were family members that were killed and left behind and all of the stuff that went on as a result of that. Same with the people in Maine last week. Just going out to bowl, just going out to have a good time, and their lives were changed and the lives of their family. See, the fact is, our struggles in life many times come on suddenly and fiercely, don't they? With little to no warning, we're faced with a choice. We're faced with either we're going to fear what's swirling around us or that we'll choose to remember who's in the boat with us. Who is in the boat with you today? His name is Jesus. Who's, who's in the boat of your life today? His name is Jesus. Who's with you today? His spirit is with us. He'll never leave us. He's with us to the end. You see, as we're looking fearfully at the storm in front of us, you have to remember that Jesus is at rest and Jesus is at peace. Do you realize that Jesus is with you in your storms? Do you also realize that he's not frantically running around on deck trying to batten down the hatches or whatever else that they do? He's not searching for the last life preserver so he can grab it and say, you're on your own, pal. At least I'm okay. Now, Jesus never scrambles around surprised or unsure of what to do. Can you imagine him being that way, by the way? Can you imagine Jesus running and going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know? He doesn't do that. The reason you can't imagine that is because he's not that way. So if that's the case, then why are we that way? Because we're looking at the storm and not remembering who's in the boat with us. Maybe we're afraid that he's left us, Jesus. Where did Jesus go? Did he get off this boat and me not know it? He sure is being quiet. Maybe we're afraid that maybe he's punishing us. Yeah, I deserve this storm. Absolutely, it's something that I have planted and watered and now I'm getting the increase on it. Maybe we're afraid that that we'll never get out of this thing alive. You're right in the middle of it and you think, okay, this is just going to suck me under. I mean, these waves, there's going to be one that's going to hit just right and I'm done, I'm done for. But I want you to know something here today, church. This storm that you're facing, this storm that you're in right now, know this. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, He is with you in this storm. Know this. His purpose is not to punish you, but His purpose is to refine you, to make you more like Christ. Know this, that He's brought you into this storm not to destroy you or to kill you, but to bring you through this storm. The disciples made it, did they not? Because Jesus called peace to the storm. He's here to bring you through every situation. I want you to catch this again. The disciples follow Jesus into the boat. And since Jesus knows everything, he knows the future. He knew there was a storm coming. Jesus knew exactly, hey, get in the boat. All the while saying, there's a storm coming. I know there is. And I'm going to show something to my people here, to my men here, to my disciples. He knew there was a storm coming. He had a purpose in that storm. He has a purpose in your storm today, church. So trust him. Trust him. Trust him because he loves you. And he's with you in it. He's with you through it. Don't fear. God loves you because God is love. 1 John four eighteen says there's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out that fear. Because fear has no has to do with punishment, but the one who fears is not the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So what he's saying in there is saying, "Listen, I'm not putting you through this, and I'm actually allowing this to happen in your life. This storm, you're following me in it, and I knew the storm was going to be there. But I'm with you in it, but I'm not doing it to punish you. I'm doing it to make you more like me. I'm doing it to build your faith and your trust in me. I'm doing it so that you can see how faithful and good that I am." That I'm with you always. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. So we rest in his peace. Tap into his peace in the midst of your storm. You see, fear, church, is a liar. Unhealthy fear comes from Satan. Satan. Believe that Jesus is with you in your storms, church. And let's not fear, but trust in the Lord. Psalm 46, three says this, when I am afraid, not if I am afraid, but when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I want you to dim the lights here and I wanna play a song for you right now that speaks to this and then we'll come back. God wants to bring rescue to our lives today and whatever struggles that you're facing, you're absolutely as a liar. And I know maybe right now you might be feeling in, in, in this way that you, there's no hope, but there is hope because in our fears, God gives us peace. And there's one more story that I want to share with you this morning. And it's this one found in John chapter four because in our lostness, God's, God finds us. We know this story, John chapter 4, the synopsis is that Jesus went down to a town in Samaria and he sat down at a well. It was about 12 noon, right in the heat of the day. And along came a Samaritan woman drawing water from the well and he began to discuss with her just life. He began to tell her of her past, Jesus did, and then he began to tell her of her choices and he began to share about her life as it was, never meeting her before, but just knowing because he's God. She ran back to town and told others about her encounter because of her. You can read the rest of the story in John chapter 4. Not only did she believe in Christ, but many also believed on Jesus because of her. The main verse in the story that I'd like to focus on is found in John four twenty nine, And this is what she said to her people in the town. She said, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, how would you like someone to know everything that you've ever done? Ouch. No, 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 no. No, 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 pastor. Not everything. Just the stuff that I want people to know, but not the other stuff. But Jesus knows everything that you've ever done. And yet, in your lostness, he has come to find you today. I said a moment ago, this, this, lady, just, this lady was like a, a triple, I didn't say this, but she, she was like a triple reject of her society, this lady was. How, how many feels like that sometimes, don't raise your hands, please don't. But how many has in your life sometimes felt like you've been rejected? You don't have to raise your hands. By someone, by society, by whatever just like what we saw in this video this young girl was being told she was ugly and all that sort of stuff and the texting is you just need to kill yourself the uh, the man who was behind on his debts and was gonna kill himself he just this rejection this lady whose her hair was coming up because she had the report of this cancer I mean there's so many things that we just feel like, does anybody care? I'm in such an awful place. This lady actually was a triple reject. Think about this. First off, she was a woman. And the reason why that's so bad is because back then, in those times, women were considered second-class citizens. They had none of the rights or the privileges that men did. So in that cultural context, this was strike one against her because she was a woman. The second strike against her was that she was a Samaritan. She was not a pure-blood-lined Jew. She was a mixture. Samaritans were belittled. Samaritans were frowned upon. They were set aside as lower-class people. In other words, she was a half-breed. She was a reject. And she had to mostly scrape and struggle just to survive from day to day without any of the respect given by others. That's strike two. And here's the third strike. The third strike was that she was either a prostitute or a woman with loose morals, in this conversation, as you can read it in John chapter 4, she had six husbands, quote unquote husbands. In other words, she slept around a lot. I imagine she, looked, she was looked down upon by the other more chaste women of, their commu- of, the, of her community. Samaritans looked down on one another of their own. Now that's actually a lower than low when you think about it. A Samaritan was looked down upon as looking down upon another Samaritan. And we know this, by the way, because she purposely went to the well at noontime. This is important. It says in the sixth hour. So their days began at 6 a.m. So this was noontime that she went there. The other women would normally go for their daily water at the first light in the cool of the morning when the sun was lower in the sky. But she went in the heat of the day. When those women went in the morning, they would chat fellowship before heading back home. But this woman... On the other hand, she chose to go when no one else would be there. I mean, she probably said, well, why face the scorn? Why face the rejection all over again today? And who are they to judge me anyway? I'm doing what I can just to survive. So strike three. And by all accounts, no one would disagree that her life was strike three and she was out. In this context of this woman's life that no one else found value in except what they could get out of her, Jesus showed up. This woman was lost in every possible way that a woman could be lost. But she was about to be found. Now, you may not have a woman, uh, have, a, have a background like this woman at the well. But today, you might as well have a background like her because you feel lost. You're lost in your purpose in life. You're lost without a relationship with God. You're lost because no one else really seems to care about you. You're searching You're wandering, you're striving. It's like you're a navigator without a compass. You're like a road warrior driving down a road that you've never been but you have no map to tell you where to go. You're walking in an unknown path in this dark alley without a flashlight to help you make sure that your steps are sure. You're lost. The choices that you made in the past continue to haunt you and you brought them with you into this place today. They've formed and fashioned who you are. And those same choices have up to this point defined you. You hate it and you hate yourself. You're going through everyday motions, the routine of work, the routine of responsibilities, just trying to make it from day to day. You're stuck in this revolving door of lostness in your life. Just like the Samaritan prostitute woman at the well, you figure this is your lot in life, but I'm here to tell you today that it doesn't have to be. Jesus has stopped by today in this place knowing that you were going to be here. And he's come to bring you comfort in your lostness because what you've been searching for your entire life is found in the person of Jesus Christ. You may say, yeah, pastor, but he knows everything I've ever done. True. He does. So what, though? That didn't stop him from going out of his way to rescue the Samaritan woman, prostitute at the well. Jesus knew everything that woman had ever done, but he still loved her. He didn't tell her to go get cleaned up and live right and then return, and then he might forgive her, maybe. Church... Jesus knows everything you and I have ever done, but he still loves us. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that no matter what we've done, he still loves us. He still forgives us. He still finds us right where we are, and he pours his love and his purposes into our life. He takes the path that we're going, and he redirects us back to him. His purpose is for you and the wide brush stroke of it is to tell others how he rescued you and you, and how he can rescue them as well. I mean, think about this in 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, but you're a chosen people. Church, this is all of us. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But often we wonder why we go through such lostness and struggle. Well, again, why do we experience these things? It's to tell others about how we were lost, but now we were found. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. We sing about it all the time, don't we? Aren't you thankful that God rescued you? Aren't you thankful that he's given us the privilege of telling others how they can be rescued as well? Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. This woman told others in this story of the woman at the well who then told others, who then told others, and many were rescued from their lostness because she found her purpose in Christ. Because Jesus found her, she told others. Because Jesus accepted her just as she was, she was able to then freely tell others. Where she was in all of her brokenness, Jesus says, I'll take you. Just like you are. And we're going to go on a journey together. And this plays out as uniquely as God has made each of us to tell others that I was broken, and I really still am broken in a lot of ways, folks. But God is repairing me, you know. I mean, I'm not perfect by any stretch of imagination. But I'm thankful that God has taken my brokenness and he's making something good out of it. He's making something good out of it. But in that process, in that journey... I'm to tell others too, hey, guess what Jesus is doing for me? He can do the same for you. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ is here today to do the same for you as he did at that woman at the well, as he did for me, as he did for so many of us here today. He's here to give you hope in your despair. He's here to give you peace in your fear. He's here to find you in your lostness. He's here to bring you comfort by His Spirit. Won't you let Him today? Won't you let Him today? Would you stand with me this morning? And Larry, could you come up to the guitar for me? Thank you, buddy. every eye closed and head bowed, nobody looking around. There's some things going on in your heart right now. I just want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit into your brokenness today and let him comfort you and make you whole. You've come into this place today. Maybe you've cleaned up real good, you know. You got that smile on your face. And you really, you don't want anybody to know what's going on. But it's okay to be real and to be honest because Jesus is here And as those of us who are on the prayer team would want to come up, I would invite you to do that now That have the uh, time at the altar here. Just come on up, anybody that's on that team today and just know this, that as these people are standing here today, they're representations of Christ. I'm here as well, all of us here. Anybody else that would want to come up? Listen, if you want to come up and let's just meet together and you can just man, just, let's just pray together. I and mean, if you need that point of contact, we're here for you. If you need to just be in you and the Lord right now, just stay where you are, or you can find a place at the altar somewhere, or however you want to do it. But I just feel like we need to do business with the Lord right now. He needs to comfort some of us in this place. Maybe in your lostness, you're still struggling with the loss of a loved one or you're struggling right now because of a lostness in your life as far as just that loss of, peace, because you're in the midst of a storm. The Holy Spirit is here to not just comfort us, but to help us. He wants to see us through. If that's you this morning, I want to open up these altars and just ask you to come up. Just do some business with the Lord today. There's nothing like stepping out of your seat and coming up to the altar. It just kind of makes it, it just breaks, it kind of breaks the ice of that, that lie that you're living in. I mean, Satan would try to tell you right now, don't you dare do that because people are looking at you and what are they going to think of you see again fear is a liar and Satan is a liar he's the author of lies and he wants to keep you in that fear and he wants to keep you in that lostness and he wants to keep you in that sorrow he wants to keep you in those places don't let him do it don't let him win today just break out of that that fear that's keeping you locked where you're standing right now and move forward and come to the altar and let's do some business with the Lord today I know this message is for somebody that the Lord wouldn't have laid on my heart to, to share this morning. So Lord, I thank you today that as these altars are open and Holy Spirit you're ministering to our heart. Lord, many of us have struggled with loss. If it's a loss of a loved one, a loss of a dream, a loss of a relationships, financial setbacks, a loss of health, a loss of peace of mind, a lot of loss. Thank you, Lord God, that There's hope beyond the tombstones in our life. There's hope that goes past those... Father, help us to stop looking at the tombstones and focusing on that and instead saying, All right, Lord, there's hope beyond the grave. And I know there's hope beyond us for the rapture, but also, Lord, I pray that you bring resurrection to our dreams, resurrection to our hopes, resurrection to the things that are in our life that seem to be dead, but like you raised Lazarus up when all seemed hopeless. Father, raise up our hopes and dreams again in you and bring something good out of these losses in our life. Because you always have other plans. Always, always, always bring good out of things. Do that, won't you please? We give you our loss. Won't you just do that right now wherever you're standing? Just give them your loss, that devastation that's in your life where you feel like there's just zero hope left. Father, I pray that you instill hope into each of our hearts right now. Into those things that that are losses in our lives those things that all we see is just a graveyard of tombstones and all we do is focus on that Father help us to look beyond the tombstones and the graveyard to the hope that we have in you and once you resurrect our dreams resurrect those things thank you Lord Well, we also thank you that in the midst of our fear, struggle, turmoil storms we recognize that fear is a liar it will sap us, it will try to steal, kill and destroy us We won't let it happen. Lord, instead, I thank you that your peace is there as we walk in faith and trust in you and that you're there in the midst of our storm. You're right there in the lifeboat of our lives with us, and you are at perfect peace. Lord, may we tap into that peace, your peace, and not strive in fear and anxiety, but instead rest in your peace, that passes all understanding, that'll rule our emotions, and that'll rule our thinking. We invite you to pour your peace into our lives right now. If you need the peace of God, ask Him right now, and He'll give it to you. And then live in it. Live in it. Dwell in it. In the midst of your storm, You can be in the, you can dwell in that peace, which is, it could be the eye of the storm. It's okay. It's swirling all around you, but his peace is there for you. He's with you in this situation, in this storm, in the big picture. He's got the whole world. He's taking care of it. You don't have to worry about all the stuff that's going on in the world. He's got it. Prophecy in the Bible says very clearly that these things must happen. So we rest in that. All of your promises, Lord God. All of your prophecies. We know that those things are supposed to happen. So what do we do with that? We're going to rest in your peace. We're not going to fear. Even if it comes on suddenly, we're still going to be reminded. Holy Spirit, remind us that your peace to comfort us in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our storm is there. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for those of us who are lost here today, we've come in here today we're visiting we've been invited by a friend we just came in because we felt like we needed to be here now we know why because we realize that everything that we've been searching for is found in you you're here to find us in our lostness we thank you lord jesus that you've come by especially and only for that one person here today (laughs) just 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 he's come by just for you today did you know that He's come by just for you, just for you, because he loves you. Yeah, you may be feeling rejected. You may feel like you're worthless. You may feel like you have no hope or life to live for. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus has come by and he'll take you just as you are. He knows everything you've ever done. And he says, come on, I got you. I'll take you. Now let's do life together. With every eye closed and head bowed, if that's you this morning, that last one. We're in your lostness, you need to be found. I just want you to lift up your hand for just a moment. Put it right back down. We're going to pray a prayer together. Yes, I see that hand. In your lostness, he's here to find you today. Anybody today, lift up your hand and put it right back down. And we're going to pray a prayer. Yes, I see that hand back there. Anybody else? Yes, I see that hand right there. In your lostness, he wants to find you. Anybody else? Lift up your hand and we'll pray together. He has come to meet you right here. He, he knew you are going to be here today. He came to your well. He came to your situation. He came to your lostness and rejection. He says, I'll take you just as you are. So thankful that he doesn't keep us like we are, though. But he'll take you just as you are. And he'll make you something into what he has for you to be. Is that you today? Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart today. We'll pray together a prayer. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Do you have Jesus in your heart today? Do you love Jesus? Do you have Jesus in your heart today? Do you want to ask Jesus in your heart today? Do you want to ask Jesus in your heart today? Do you? Yes. You got Him. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want you to all pray this prayer out loud whether you have Jesus in your heart or not. And all the Bible says that you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God's son and you will be saved. All of us today pray this this prayer out loud. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. And thank you for finding me. For dying for my sins. Coming and living in my heart. And be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And I thank you now that I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm born again. And my purpose is now in you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Confirm this decision with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that when we make mistakes this week, we might say or do something that is not pleasing to you. Father, help us to know that you you still love us, that you're not going to turn us away and reject us. You're going to say, that's all right. All right, let's, let's fix that. Let's do it better next time. And then begin to sanctify us and make us more like you. Purify us and make us holy and make us righteous and make us more like you through those trials, through those tests, through those doors. Help us to trust in you more. Help us to grow up in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the salvation that has come to this house today. And those of us who have been lost are now found in you. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Would you give the Lord a praise, a clap of praise, a clap of praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've come to comfort us today. I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit is here to comfort you. And he's not just here in this building because you are the church. And so this is the temple of God right here, your body. He lives inside of you. So as you go from this place, let the peace of God go with you. Let his comfort go with you. And you are comforted today so that you can be comforted. So find somebody this week that you can speak into their lives and comfort them with the comfort that you have been comforted with today. Amen? Thank you for joining us this morning. Join us next week as we continue to learn from God's word and apply it to our lives.